Hey there, We Can't Wrestle Podcast listeners. If you haven't noticed, we have switched our server to Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app, or go to anchor.fm to get started. Highly recommended by me and everybody else here at the We Can't Wrestle podcast. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the We Can't Wrestle podcast. The brothers Maxon, Nate, and Aaron are here with you on this week's episode of the show. It's been a few weeks since we did a show, but to be perfectly honest, we don't make any money doing this, and our our real jobs have kept us from uh, being able to record for a couple of weeks, but we're back in business this week, and uh, we got a lot coming up on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, now featured also on Spotify, by the way. Aaron, what's going on out there? Nothing much. Is there, uh, is there anything you want to say about before we go into well i'll say really quick this week on the show we are going to talk about our favorite finishing moves and then we also each have a list of uh five guys that we think are overrated this week so those will be our two uh topics of conversation but i know you watched um double or nothing and i wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick I watched some you, of it. Oh, you did? Okay. Because you don't watch, and, and the reason I'm interested is you don't watch a lot of modern product wrestling. So I just, I was wondering what you were thinking about it. Like, is it, did it hook you? Did it, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was your standard modern wrestling pay-per-view. It didn't blow me away. It wasn't bad. It just well, didn't, it didn't blow me away. Um, I don't think it lived yeah. up to the hype, you know, that kind of a thing. I watched um, up until... And the reason I did was because, to me, I didn't want to watch anything else after it was... After Cody and Dustin were done, I just tuned out. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that was the main event of it. And I thought it was a, it was a good show. And I think... To me, the only thing it was was that, you know, I'm not like a... Like you said, I'm not a, a modern. I don't. I'm not hating on the product or anything like that. Like I'm just. What wrestling presents now isn't something that I'm completely into. Right. And um. I think your first show shouldn't be a pay per view. Yeah, because you're not. You haven't. I mean. You're right. I mean, you haven't had. You haven't had the. Um, the time to build to the show, introduce characters. Well, I mean, I they they do they did a little they did a little bit of that on on the being the elite show. But let's be honest, how many people are out there watching the be elite show? You know, and I'm watching a match with like the BFFs and two guys that I don't I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm watching a match with <clears throat> a bunch of Japanese ladies that. I know nothing about. Right. You have no investment in the characters. Yeah. And the one was like dressed like Jack Black. (laughs) (laughs) 
And somebody told me, he's like, no, she's trying to be Freddie Mercury. It's like, well, no, she looks like Jack Black. <laughs> Nacho Libre. <laughs> like she had like a, like a mustache. You know what chick I'm talking about? Yes, I can't remember her name because I didn't know who any of them were either, to be honest with you. I knew Aja Kong was. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm saying I, I, was, I was unaware of most of the, the talent in that match. And I didn't... I didn't watch that Battle Royal because I watched, like, the day after it was on. And just the clips of the Battle Royal just... Yeah. It was pretty... The Battle Royal... If the Battle Royal was a... I don't know. If it was a way to get me to be interested in the pay-per-view, it didn't work. Um, I thought, like you said, I thought Cody and Dustin was a good match. Um, I... I did not, I don't know, like I said, I just, uh, it was what it was, and I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that they can, I, I, I really, I, my thing is, I'm not judging it until their show starts. Right, and I don't, I want them to succeed. I want, I want, I want competition in the industry, because I want, and I'm, I'm a, I've always been, um, and we've discussed this on the show before, but even more than Aaron, I've always been a WWF, WWE guy. And I want AEW to succeed almost almost selfishly as a WWE guy so that WWE is forced to come out of their complacency and get better. They're just so complacent. They, they you know, for years, Vince hasn't had to worry about competition TNA was like a pimple on his ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just pop that shit and move on. And uh, I hope AEW does well, and I hope that they... I, I think one good step that they've made is that the championship match is not going to involve Cody. I was afraid that they were going to, you know, it was going to wind up Cody's the first champ, you know, like his daddy would have done. <laughs> and I love Dusty, but his daddy would have done that. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's not going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be Hangman Page and Chris Jericho, and and I'm I'm hopeful for that. That's a good thing that the promoter, the promoter, the booker, what have you, isn't going to be the uh, the champ. And I'm you know it's also promising that they brought in people like Dean Malenko, you know, yeah. to to work with the guys, and and hopefully Dean Malenko can be one of those guys to get the because you can say what you want about WWE's storytelling. But overall, the match quality in WWE is good. There isn't, there isn't like crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's not like indies where it's just high spot, high spot, high spot. WWE's generally, the matches are good. Yeah. And hopefully, someone like a Dean Malenko and Billy Gunn can take these guys that have been on an indie scene that's kind of on a wild ride as far as high spots and go and stuff go, and and teach them how to tell stories in the ring instead of just giving us all their signature spots and then going home. So that, that's my view. So I just, yeah, like I, I said, I'm not going to judge, I'm not gonna judge their product till I think it's October. Yeah, it's either, it's either September, October. Yeah. When they're going to be on TNT. So there we go. All right. So between reruns of the closer and bone, <laughs> Followed by uh, a lawyer movie with Michael Douglas in it. Yeah, that's my biggest concern with him being on TNT is TNT is like 
old people television. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. true. <laughs> it's like there's like a, a cop show, but everybody's like fifty six. And followed by Jag. It makes like the old people feel like, oh look. He's old like me, but he's doing things. <laughs> Alright, so we'll move on from that. And, uh, oh yeah, and by the way, folks, if you didn't hear, I'm sure you have. If you're listening to this show, I'm sure you have. John Moxley, the uh, new IWGP United States Champion. So, there's that too. Which I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know IWGP and AEW were uh, were like that, but anyway. Like what? You know, like I, I figured, I, I thought with AEW being, being a now a multi-million dollar company with contracts and stuff. I didn't know they were going to be doing talent, talent exchanges. Well, so. they defended their, they did, their only like title match was a triple a tag team title match on their pay-per-view. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I just didn't figure, I don't know how I want to put it. I didn't think their guys would be out there. You know, I, I guess we're not to the TV show yet. We'll see how that goes. Once the TV show starts, you know, Yeah, but, all right, so now we're going to go on with our top ten list for this week. This top ten finishing maneuvers, top ten finishers, and I I kind of went with the, I went with the way that I looked at it was, is it is it realistic? And I also picked the certain superstar that I that I select doing the move. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I'll let you go first, and mine aren't really in order. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have a number one with this list. So there's just ten of them <laughs> to discuss. But I'll let you My, go first. I have I have a couple that are just personal favorites, mm-hmm. and um, a lot that are you could you could like you know, like you said, realistic. You could put it on anybody. Um, so we're just going to go with my childhood favorite, and I think it would be everybody's childhood favorite. It would be Hulk Hogan's leg drop. The leg drop. I mean, do you get a bigger pop? <laughs> I mean, other than a stunner, do you get a bigger pop than the Hulk Hogan leg drop? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the stunner in a minute. Okay. But, no, I mean, like, to me, people can say what they want to say about Hulk Hogan, but you know, the the blocking the punches, the you and mm-hmm. the whole and yeah the whole sequence, the whole sequence, and then the leg drop that was that was it, man. And you knew, <laughs> you... yeah, it's the most simplistic finisher ever. And but like, goddamn, two, two or three people in the history of wrestling ever kicked out of that some bitch. Yeah, know? and and <laughs> I mean. When Hogan hit you with the leg drop, that was it. You were done, son. <laughs> yeah, like, for some reason, his leg was... <laughs> like, and they were never like, oh, Hogan has a steel plate in his leg. No, his leg is just fucking... It's going to take you out. <laughs> it's a tree and, trunk. <laughs> yeah, it was just great. Like, I watch it now as a 36-year-old man, and for some reason, I still believe... You know what? 
that would finish the match. Yeah, well, and like I said, it's 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 the 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 cool thing about that is it's part of a sequence, you know. Like it wasn't. It, I know you're saying the leg drop, the finisher, and that that makes perfect sense. But it's it's the build up to it, you know. The Hogan hulking up, and then Hogan shaking, and then like you said, Hogan going you, and then. You know, and then the big boot, and you know, it's just the whole build up to it. So then, by the time the leg drop hits, it's like, well, of course this is over. So, yeah, definitely. So the first one that I have on my list, again, not necessarily ranked number ten, but tenth on my list, is Bret Hart's Sharpshooter. Well, that was on mine. Um, the Sharpshooter is one of those moves. Like I said, I kind of when I look at a finisher. Like okay, if I'm if I'm suspending disbelief or if I'm suspending belief, yeah, it's a super unrealistic move. It's, it, it, do you think so? Because I think that if a if if Bret Hart had me in a sharpshooter and he had my spine twisted like that and my legs twisted like that and he was leaning back with all two hundred and forty something pounds of himself, it would no, hurt. I, it would hurt like fuck. It would hurt. <laughs> I, I'm just saying like the the practice of getting somebody in it. Yeah, I mean, there were times that he would have matches where the guy, it didn't seem like the guy, you know, obviously a jobber match, you know, okay, well, you really haven't worn this guy down enough to get. But I think that that is a move that is believable in, say, uh, Bret Hart and Steve Austin, where the two guys have gone 25 to 30 minutes, and yeah. ma- maybe Steve Austin's back and legs really are tired out. You know what I mean? And then now, all of a sudden, this 250-pound guy is, is twisting. Yeah, like, I'm kind of like... I don't, like, when I say it's unrealistic, and I'm telling you, I like it, okay? Right. I like it. I like Brett's Owens. I like the, the Scorpion Deathlock. Um, <coughs> um, honestly, you know who used it first in the WWF? Hmm. Do you remember? I do not. It's Terry Taylor. Really? I don't remember yeah. that. Terry Taylor used it, and you know what they called it? Uh-oh. The cock of the walk. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Terry Taylor used it first, and Terry <clears throat> Taylor had a good cock of the walk. But, um... Like, I look at it like... Okay. I'm not. I'm not, like, you know... A scrapper or anything, mm-hmm. but if I got in a bar fight, <laughs> I could deck a guy. You'd have to wind up on your belly, <laughs> and, and then maybe, and then maybe drop my leg on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to. I'll, I'll drop him. I'll drop my leg on that motherfucker. You know, but I'm not gonna like put him in the sharpshooter. <laughs> like people would be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it's like a Boston crab in a figure four. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but but I do I I love the move. It's aesthetically pleasing. Yes, and honestly, like if you would get somebody in it, it would it would hurt. But it, and it's, the 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 in one the scheme of wrestling, it's very cool. But you, in the you, scheme of reality, it's unrealistic. And you know what's funny? Like the most famous sharpshooter is obviously Austin at WrestleMania 13. Okay, obviously. Yeah. But you know who actually, to me, took the sharpshooter the most convincingly? Jerry Lawler. And I don't know if it was because of how Jerry Lawler's body is or whatever, but Bret Hart, 
Bret Hart that, could like bend that motherfucker in half. Like basically put his heel on his head. <laughs> yeah, like Jerry Lawler took that. He made that look fucking amazing. Like I, I don't know. Jerry Lawler took the best sharpshooter. <laughs> All right. So who's what's next on your list? Um, it is a. I know I said yours was unrealistic, so I'll use my unrealistic one. Okay. And then the rest of them, I think, are pretty pretty um, as far as wrestling can go, you can say, hey, this could be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one on my list would be um, the Crippler Crossface. I actually have the Crossface on my list, and I put Chris Benoit as the the example the crossface again i think that's like the sharpshooter like it you're right in that it would be hard to get it applied but once it was applied i think it would hurt like hell yeah and and i would tap out to it <laughs> but hence I mean, the name of the podcast i can't wrestle so you're basically using somebody's own arm as their what like their own arm as a weapon, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. But yeah, I think the crossface is. I said it before with the sharpshooter. It's it's an aesthetically pleasing move. Yes, yes. It looks like it hurts like fuck. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I said, with like you said, and there's with... different variations of it, like the STF. Mm-hmm. The cross, I almost like the crossface chicken wing, which is kind of. And... Just, Kind of the same thing. I know we don't talk about him a lot on the show just because of our personal feelings about him, but if I'm talking about that move, Benoit is definitely the best at it. Yeah. And and I think it's I think a lot of it with him when he applied it, it was his body size as compared to like if if Chris Benoit is putting the the crossface on Triple H, to me that's believable because Chris Benoit is not small, stout. But right, he's he's the size that he could get that taller, lankier guy into that hold and be like a you know like a fucking spider monkey on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I had like I said, I had the cross faces. I had it sixth on my list, so we'll cross that off of mine. And unless you have anything else on that one, nope. The next one on my list because I think that uh, I I think that this one is one that does look like it would it would knock you the fuck out and and it's been diminished over the years because of the way wwe books finishes now with false finishes and and finishing maneuvers but you talk about it back in the day i I think the f5 with brock lesnar um if if that dude took me and flung me up in the air and then brought me down on the mat face first I would probably be out cold too. Like I said, I think it's been diminished now because you know now you have a match where he gives John Cena like 5 F5s and Cena kicks out and that's just that's just shitty modern booking. Yeah. But the move in and of itself I think is a convincing move and it's done by the right person to make it convincing and uh I got to go with the F5. Yeah. I like the F5. It was taught to him by his mentor. Jim Cornette. <laughs> Mark Marrow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it TKO 9 No, because it's Mark Marrow and Brock Lesnar. There's a difference. 
Well, they got one thing in common. Oh, <laughs> that Poonani. <laughs> no, they wrestle in gym shorts. Mm. That too, and they both have it. They both they both have had a gimmick where they dance and yeah, yeah, stupid. All right. Yeah, other than the uh, that, I like the I like the dancing Brock Lesnar. I like the dancing Brock Lesnar Akeem thing. That's great. Like, I watched a couple of things. Like somebody superimposed like the like a boombox <laughs> and some other shit, and it's funny. Like I haven't watched it on Raw, but dancing Brock, like him dancing with the money in the bank thing, is funny. Brock party. All right. So is that a thing they do. That's what they call it, Brock Party. Oh, when they give it a name, they fuck it up. Yeah. Well, that's what they do nowadays. <laughs> Come on, AEW. Did they, go, did they do hashtag Brock Party? I haven't seen that yet, but I'm sure it'll happen. Michael Cole will say it, too. Hashtag Brock Party. When they take something organic and fuck it up. Yeah. Hashtag Brock Party for the beast in the bank. <laughs> well, so what's next on your list? Suck my dick if they do that. <laughs> <sighs> the next one on my list is a childhood favorite mm-hmm. that I still. It might be a childhood favorite, and you might tell me it's unbelievable or whatever, but I love it. Is um, the Randy Savage elbow drop? I don't have it on my list, but I agree with you. And you know what? It is a childhood favorite of mine, too. And talk about aesthetically pleasing. And not to not to mention, I mean, in reality... I would do that to somebody. Ain't right. <laughs> An elbow to your fucking chest bone would hurt like shit. Yeah, yeah I'll climb up on this table and elbow you. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. The elbow drop. The Randy Savage elbow drop. I'll give you that one. And you can do and Randy Savage. It's it's a it's a finisher that I will say on the rest of these. It's something you can do to anybody. Yes. Like because you're on the whoever you got is on their back. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not picking them up. He's not moving them around. He knocks them on their ass, on their back, whatever you want to say, and then he screws up real quick. And he drops his two hundred and ten pound frame on top of you. That's gonna that's gonna that's gonna take anybody out. And that is where my that that actually applies to my next one on my list too, and that is Billy Kidman's shooting star press. Yeah. It is aesthetically pleasing, and even though Billy Kidman is small by wrestler standards, by human being standards, he's a he's a big man. And um, for him to have that kind of torque and, like you said, land on your prone body, I think it could knock the the wind out of you for uh, three seconds for you to be able to be pinned. Um, I love Billy Billy Kidman's shooting star. I've seen a lot of them, and I I still think he has the best one. Yeah. Well, probably not now. (laughs) But... Now he's got a shooting star burger press. <laughs> but he's part of the reason I think it's it's Kidman is because and I'm sure there were probably people that did it before him over in Japan or whatever. Mm-hmm. But 
in me in my childhood, he's the first guy <laughs> I saw him do it. Right. And he, and and I think Billy Kidman's honestly. I mean, we're talking about like overrated. We're gonna talk about overrated later. Billy Kidman's underrated. Absolutely. Yes, Billy Kidman was was uh, and still is when I go back and watch it now. Billy Kidman to me was one of the unsung heroes of WCW during the Monday Night Wars. Like I loved watching Billy Kidman. Like now, d- full disclosure, Aaron and I would watch Raw live and then WCW Nitro videotaped. But if for some reason we were flipping back and forth. Billy Kidman was one of the guys that could keep me watching Nitro over Raw. Yeah. Um, I wanted to see what he was what he was gonna do. He was innovative. He was right there. To me, he's right there with Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. And like you said, I mean, totally underrated. Does not get the credit he deserves. Um anything else on that one? You gotta give him credit for Tori. Help his coverage too and like, <laughs> Jesus Christ hey <laughs> I mean absolutely good job Billy <laughs> so what's the next one on your list it is the DDT hmm. it was actually first on my list so I'll knock that off the DDT would knock you the fuck out yeah, I mean, if you're in a bar fight and you get a guy if by you do that to, if you do that move with somebody in public, <laughs> like in front of just regular people, like you're just somewhere, and a guy shoves you, okay, and then you kick him in the stomach, and a guy bends over for a second, and you grab his head in your arm, and then you drop his head into the ground. People were gonna be like, "That's fucked up." <laughs> now, in real life, that guy would have two black eyes, and you would be incarcerated, right? And everybody in the bar would be like, "It doesn't matter what that guy did to you. That was fucked up." <laughs> and you know, we can say what we want about him as a person, but uh, I do have here Jake Roberts has the best DDT. Does I mean? No matter what you say about him as a person, as a performer, you know, promos and stuff, Jake was a great performer, and I think that his DDT was the the most succinct and the most convincing. Yeah, I liked Arns. Yeah, Arns was good. Like, you know, Arns had a little bit of a... Um, you're right. I mean, Arns had a little bit more of a spike even to his. Like, he would bring a guy closer down on the bottom of his head. Um. Yeah. But I, stank on it. <laughs> I, just, I just always, I always like Jake's. I mean, I always like mixed Jake's double arm DDT too. Yeah, Jake's was flashier. Like yeah, he'd grab you and like do the thing and drop him down. You know, arm would just be like, bam, just, <laughs> just like that spine buster. Yeah, it's like I don't fucking care what these people think. Bam, there you go, bitch. <laughs> you know, like, I like arms. Yeah. Like I said, Mick's too. Like the double arm DDT from Mick with his weight and everything. Like the the visual of that was always really good too. And Dean Ambrose. I mean, the Dirty Deeds is a good DDT too. All right. (laughs) So the next one on my list 
because I mean, to be perfectly honest, when I watch this and this was one of my favorites when I was younger, when you watch this move, you think, oh, that guy he just did this move on is crippled now. And that is Scott Steiner's Frankensteiner. Scott Steiner would fuck a motherfucker up with a Frankensteiner. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Garvin Stomp. Yeah, okay. fuck that shit. We'll talk about that later in this un- over overrated list. <clears throat> but anyway, the Frankensteiner. Yeah. Um, what was it? Was it Blake Beverly? Oh my god, yeah. Royal Rumble 93. It's an amazing one on Blake Beverly. <clears throat> he does a really, he does a really, um, and it, you know, you can always tell that he's working with somebody that's, you know, that, you know what I mean. But anyway, he does a really awesome one on, on, uh, when him and Flair have that match on the, I think it's a Clash of the Champions, or maybe it's the Saturday night match. I don't remember, but it was when the Steiners, remember when the Steiners were about to leave WC? No, it wasn't that. When Flair was getting ready to leave WCW, and he had those matches with Scott Steiner, yeah, there was one on Saturday night and one on a Clash of the Champions, and I don't remember which one it was, but he gives Flair a really good one too. But and then it's always funny. It's kind of like the Road Warrior. We we talk about the Road Warriors with jobbers, like the jobbers are scared of the Road Warriors when they come out. Like it's always it's always fun to watch a Steiner squash match to see what kind of Frankensteiner you're gonna get. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Frankensteiner on Dwayne Gill might not be too bad because, you know, Dwayne Gill's a pro and he's a... You know what I mean? They respect Dwayne Gill and blah, blah, blah. But the Dwayne Gill... Or the, uh... The Dwayne Gill. The Frankensteiner on, uh, you know, Bob Smith with his pudgy ass and mullet. (laughs) Fuck him up a little bit. Ah, shit. All right. So, if if there's not anything else on that, what's your next one? Well, I like watching the Steiners in general, like, and they just don't like somebody <laughs> like watch watch Rick Steiner and Conan it's not a good match yeah but damn up. <laughs> um, the next one on my list would be a move that you can hit on anybody would be um, Shawn Michaels Sweet Chin Music I didn't have this, I didn't have it on my list, but uh, I agree. Now, and you know, he's my favorite wrestler ever. But as time went on, it was a little bit, you know, convoluted with the stomp and the build up to it. But that's kind of like Hogan's thing, you know. Yeah. It's it's the build up. It's 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 a it's a show. It's a it's a it's a series of stuff leading up to the finish. But yeah, I mean, the reason I thought it worked with him Mm -hmm. is that tell me any match that Shawn Michaels was ever in that he was the bigger guy right you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so like when he first started like when he first turned heel he was using the fucking back suplex or whatever yeah is he gonna if he becomes the world champion is he gonna do that to the undertaker yeah, is he going to do that to The Undertaker? Is he going to do that to Sid Vicious? Is he going to do that to Vader? Is he going to do that to Kevin Nash? Right. But he he can kick a motherfucker in the face. <laughs> and he can get yeah. his leg up there, too. I mean, yeah. some it of doesn't the... matter if you're 100 and 
ten pounds or you're two hundred and twenty five pounds, you kick a motherfucker in the face, you're kicking him in the face. <laughs> you know? Yep, and, and he had the ability to get you know, if he had the ability to get his foot up that high to kick Kevin Nash in the chin. Yeah, he's gonna God know, bless him. And and it doesn't matter if you're the size of all those guys. If you get kicked in the fucking face <laughs> you're getting kicked in the face. Right. So that's why I would put that on there because that's something that you could legitimately do to anybody else or anybody in the ring. You do that to them, you could possibly knock that guy out for three sec, at least three seconds to pin him. Absolutely, I agree. So the next one on my list is another one that you can get on anybody, and um, excuse the pun, but out of nowhere, it's the RKO. Randy Orton's RKO. I had that on. It, mine said RKO slash Diamond Cutter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, like I just, I prefer, I prefer Randy's because it's crisper. I think, you know, or something. I mean, Randy's kind of taken DDP's move and made it his own. I guess. I prefer it because it's anybody other than Diamond Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like you said about the chin music, you know, you hit it. You can hit the RKO on the Big Show, and and yeah. I mean if you're if you're cracking his face down into the mat, it doesn't matter how fucking tall he is. Actually, it's probably worse because he's he's coming down from seven feet instead of six feet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the RKO definitely on my list. And again, with sometimes with the RKO, there is a show to it, but that's what wrestling's about. Yeah. Um, I, and I, yeah, I think, I think he took, uh, he took what DDP had and, um, and improved it greatly. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so that's the RKO from Randy Orton who, uh, took DDP's move and, uh, apparently the consensus has made it better. Um, so what's next on your list, Aaron? It involves somebody you mentioned mm-hmm. when you were talking about the RKO. Um, it would be the Big Show mm-hmm. and his knockout punch. That is actually, it's funny. That is the next one on my list. Is there, is there possibly a more believable finisher than Big Show's knockout punch? Nope. I mean, when a guy with a with a hand the size of a frying pan punches you in the face, you're probably not getting up after three seconds <laughs> and and big show is like a guy like i don't want to say that i don't but like let me say it this way i wouldn't put big show on like my top 10 favorite wrestlers mm-hmm. but i would actually probably put big show he'd be in my top 20 yeah well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of the big show. Me too. For a guy his size, his weight, he's had moments in his career where he's ballooned up and and but I mean, overall in general, I mean, you've got a a 500 pound guy, yeah, I don't know, 450, and build at 500 a lot of the time that can if, throw that can throw a drop kick. Um, yeah, like my thing is like I might not put him in my top 10 favorite wrestlers. And I wouldn't be mad if somebody didn't. Mm-hmm. If somebody doesn't put Big Show in their top five 
best big man wrestlers, they're a fucking liar. Right. I mean, and, and no disrespect to Andre, but Big Show was everything Andre was and, like, s- ten times more athletic. Yeah. And I know Andre in his youth, you know, could do some amazing shit for his size too, but Big Show is impressive, and that knockout punch, like I said, I mean, that that might not be my favorite finisher ever, but it is definitely, to me, the most believable finisher ever. Yeah, if that guy hits you in the face, you're going down. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. (laughs) I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. So I have two left. So do I. And one of them is, um, this one is, I guess, I guess it could be seen as unbelievable, but I love the move, so I put it on the list anyway, because I personally mark out for it, and that is Petey Williams' Canadian Destroyer. That's super unbelievable. I know. It's a, it's a it's a pretty move. It's a fucking amazing move. I love that move. Like I remember I just I I hearkened back when I was thinking about this list and I just hearkened back to the first time I ever saw him do that and I was like that is one of the coolest fucking things I've ever seen in a wrestling ring. Yeah. But you're right. I mean it, it is unbelievable. But And and honestly, you know. But is it I, more is it to me, it's not any more unbelievable than a sunset flip, really. I was going to say that it's not any more unbelievable than the Frankensteiner. Right. It's, just, it's basically the Frankensteiner in reverse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love but the Canadian Destroyer. It's not a believable move. <laughs> right. <laughs> like if some guy was just like running at you, <laughs> you would just jump up and like, boom, there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? That wouldn't happen. Yeah. Like, if you tried to hit the Frankensteiner in real life, you would land on your own head. <laughs> so I guess I'd say that the the, uh, the Canadian Destroyer is my favorite mark-out for me finisher. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I'm not making fun of it. You know, it's, right. it's, a, it's a beautiful move. And it, it's... And you know, but the funny thing about it is, I don't mean to cut you off, the funny thing about it is, I, I, I have to say... I've seen other people do it, and the only two that I ever really like are Petey Williams, and it was actually up until, what, a couple of months ago, or last month, it was just Petey Williams, but then I saw Ricky Morton do it, and I marked out for that, but any yeah. any of the other guys that I've ever seen do it, I wasn't that terribly impressed with it, like, Petey just that, has a snap to it and stuff that's... Who was that tubby guy in the WWF? WWE tried to do it. Ah... Uh... I don't remember. He was Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch tried to do it a couple times. Did he? I don't even yeah. remember that. The gallon of milk guy? Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> Watching him do it. But yeah, that Petey Williams, it was like, Pete, for me, it was, I, I only want to see Petey Williams do it. And then I saw Ricky Morton do it. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Ricky Morton can do it. But Ricky Morton's like, you know, one of the best wrestlers of all fucking time, so. Ricky Morton can do whatever the fuck he wants. Ricky Morton's a better wrestler at, what, 60-something years old than half the wrestlers that have ever existed, so. Wake the fuck up! (laughs) Yeah, you're you're gonna be mad at this, but I had more fun 
watching Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson having that match with that that silly tag team mm-hmm. at that convention than I did watching AJ Styles and Randy Orton have that match at that house show we went to. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you... We got... For those of you that don't know, I know we posted pictures and stuff on our Facebook group, but we got to see the rock and rolls in person live. We got to meet them. We got to watch them wrestle. And, I uh, got to come out to it, It's... For all the rest... For all the wrestling shows I've ever been to, for all the superstars I've ever met, the Rock and Rolls is one of my favorite wrestling experiences of my life. And they came out. They they came out to ELO Rock mm. and Rolls King. It was mm-hmm. fucking great. It was a good time. All right, what's next on your list? I'll do the one that I think I know because you mentioned it and I mentioned it. A little bit ago, that's going to be on both of our lists. Is the Stone Cold Stunner? No, it's actually not on my list. Oh, I thought it might have been because you said something about. I'll talk about that later. But no, yeah. I like the Stunner, but it's not the on my Stone list. Stone Cold Stunner is like the RKO. You can put that on anybody. Absolutely. Like you could come walking up to me at the airport and be like, "Hey, the." <laughs> I'm back from the vacation I was in, and I can just kick you in the gut and <laughs> you your ass, you know? And then, and then wag your head and jack-talk me. Yeah. <laughs> and throw my beer in your face and tell you to get your own fucking ass home and just leave the airport. And we're talking about the stunner, and you're right, it's a fantastic move. Um, what's your favorite stunner? Like, What's the what's the best one ever? Like that makes me laugh the most. No, just, yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever is your whatever, what is your aesthetic for the stunner? What's your favorite stunner? Because I actually have two, and and it's, I mean, it sucks, but I have two. I'm being a jerk and having two. I have a few that I really love. I love the first time Vince takes it. Yeah, that's my favorite. Because he takes it and then he's out. <laughs> like, like he flops gone. like a dead. Yeah, he's fucking like flops three like years la- three years later. He's taking it. And he's immune to it. He's yeah, like, the, he the immune to it. for Vince McMahon, the stunner's like polio. You know, like he <laughs> he got the vaccine, yeah. and instead of one, it takes fifteen to take him out permanently. But yeah, that first one's one of my favorites too because he doesn't even like. It's great because his body's just limp. Like, there's he's no... Like I said, like, three years later, he's, he takes it, and then the next segment, he's on commentary. Just, I can't believe just, this. Just, just holding his jaw a little bit to sell it. Austin's a son of a bitch, you know? Like, I love that one. And then... Um, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But I used to like some of the wacky ways The Rock would take it. Where he'd like bounce out of it and stuff. Yeah. Starfish. I like yeah, I, I like that. Um, My favorite one was your favorite one. It was the first Vince one. But I also... I, love, I also... I love, oh, go ahead. I like when he... And it's not even the fact that he, the way the guy takes it. But I like what I loved when he stunned Lawler and then he punted his crown. 
That was fun. My second favorite one is Phineas Godwin at Royal Rumble 97. Yeah. Like, that's... Uh, ironically, that's like my second favorite one. Because <sighs> he just yeah, trash talks the fuck out of him after he yeah, gives him that great. one. Just Steve made a... Uh, they made a VHS tape of Steve where... He was still like the stone cold, like you know. Yeah, the Brian Pillman swirly stone cold. Yeah, like the like he was an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like the real asshole. Don't like, count me down. Like Doctor D. David Schultz, stone cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And he's going over the Royal Rumble, and, and he's like talking about he stunned this guy. <laughs> and Phineas comes out and he stuns him, and then you know Steve's talking shit in the ring, and Steve's like commentating over this thing and then he stuns Phineas Godwin Phineas Godwin he goes I stunned him and then I said you get out of that rag you smelly <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> it just cracked me up man 13 year old Aaron <laughs> his uncle was like pow you get out of the ring you smelly son of a bitch <laughs> I must have rewound that 400 times laughing my ass off <laughs> And he was talking about Shawn Michaels. He's like, you don't see me coming out here with no gay-ass practice sparklers behind me. That <laughs> <laughs> was great. Oh, yeah. That, the, 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 like, 96. 97 Stone Cold. Oh, God damn. For those of you uh, that are younger listeners that didn't live through 96, 97, you didn't live. <laughs> as far as a wrestling fan goes. It was just... It was the most amazing time in wrestling ever. To us. Steve Austin tried to drown one of Brian Pillman's supposed friends in a kiddie pool in a driveway. And then Brian Pillman pulled a gun on him. I mean, is there a more... Is there... I mean, there probably is, but for that, that time frame... At that very time when we were watching at live and in person, I mean, is there anything more fun than Brian Pillman talking shit in that bathroom and then Austin with that shit eating grin coming up behind him? Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's fucking perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. And it's good stuff. All right. So you did the stunner. And before we get too long winded on this, I guess I have one more left here. I have one more, and then I'm going to take a... Take a break? Yeah, I got yeah. We'll, we'll take a break when uh, when we're done here. The next one on my list is, and, and the one that I prefer the most is done by Kurt Henning, but it's the Fisherman Suplex. And of yeah, course, of course, Kurt perfect. Henning, of course, Kurt Henning called, called it the Perfect Plex because he was Mr. Perfect. But uh, a big fan of the fisherman suplex as a finishing hold. Um, if if applied properly, it's another one of those ones that realistically, three seconds is all it takes to win a wrestling match, and that would be a pain in the ass to get out of. Yes, it would. I'll give you that one. And it's not one like I was saying where it would be, and I'm not. I have a couple of mine that were unrealistic. It, to me, it's not super unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You, know, 
you could do that to somebody if you really beat them down enough. <laughs> now, now, granted, if you were in a fight at a bar or something, it wouldn't be as grandiose. <laughs> no, it, it would be, be more like a. It would be more like two fat guys kind of rolling over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but if you could get in position properly, <laughs> and if not, it would be a very matter of fact situation. <laughs> like, there wouldn't be a lot of. <laughs> Not a lot of room to give. Like you would you would do that to somebody, and then you'd be like, "Oh shit!" Christopher Reeve, this guy. Uh, but yeah, that's that's yeah, the fisherman suplex. Um, you're not you're, you're gonna have somebody putting on your shoes the rest of your life. So what's last on your list? Like, I hope you like applesauce. That's all you're eating. <laughs> Jesus. Perfect. What's the last one on my list? Yes. Is um, the Superfly Splash. <clears throat> you know, I almost... need some Jimmy Snuka. And I know you kind of, like, when I told you, like, when we did that, that dream card or whatever. Mm-hmm. Couple months back, and I was like, "Oh, my main event would be Ric Flair versus Jimmy Snuka," and mm-hmm. I know he was a horrible human being. I love Jimmy Snuka, man. <laughs> um, I love me some Jimmy Snuka and that Superfly Splash. Watching people do like watching him do that. No, and I, I, I honestly, I almost put the Superfly Splash on my list. It's funny because. So I'm not disagreeing with you, because the move is is again it's it's like the it's like the shooting star press or the or the the Randy Savage elbow drop. You have your opponent. the The story is you have gotten your opponent worn down to the the point where you have them prone on the mat. You get to go to the top rope. You fly off the top rope and you bring whatever it is part of your body down on their body. And it, it takes their breath away. And and the only reason that I didn't put this on my list was I, I, I went with the shooting star press because of the, the um, theatrics of it. Yeah. Because I thought Superfly Splash, I thought Eddie Guerrero and Rob Van Dam's Five Star Frog Splash, and I thought um, Jimmy Snuka. So uh, you know, I we kind of we kind of came. It's it's good that we pick different people, but it's almost like, the same concept, I guess. Yeah, and and the five star frog splash, and the frog splash from Eddie and and like Billy Kidman's, mm-hmm. they're, they're prettier. But Superflies was first, and 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 not even the fact that it's first. Like when you, and it was almost the way. It was like mainly WWF because that's you know what yeah. I watched when I was a kid. The way they shot it, mm-hmm. they shot it at that angle of. They made sure that when Jimmy Stucka hit the Superfly Splash, the cameraman was like at the apron shooting up. Right. So it looked even more impactful. <laughs> well, and it's even it's even better. He was, and he was like, he like. Fucking Jimmy Snuka was like a, a Greek god. You know what I mean? Like he mm-hmm. was just chiseled like a mutt, like 
nobody's fucking business. And if so. you and I know you have, but for those that that haven't, Aaron and I are talking about eighties, like late eighties, nineties Snooka Splash. You go back to even before you and I were watching. You go back to the seventies and the early eighties, and watch crazy eyed. Just, I mean, like, I didn't even appreciate Jimmy Snooker when I was a kid, other than that splash. Like, Jimmy Snooker's one of those guys as a performer, not as a person, obviously. Yeah, he's <laughs> always a sick human being. As a performer, he's one of those guys that I, honestly, I didn't truly appreciate until I got older. Because I went back and watched the older stuff, especially when he was a heel. Like... We, you and I were exposed to kind of cheesy babyface snooker. You know what I mean? And I and <clears throat> crazy-eyed heel snooker is fucking cr- amazing. Yeah, and and like I said, I I can even remember being kids, and I actually prefer him as a heel. I, I yeah, he's a good like. But I'm just saying, like I even remember as a kid, like I was like, oh, super fly, and you were. <laughs> You didn't dig it. Kind and of. I'm, in, not, I'm kind not knocking you. Or whatever. No, I know. I, at that time, I, I was I, indifferent I was, to him. I, even as a kid, I was like a, a super fly Jimmy Snuka fan. Yeah, and at WrestleMania Seven, when Undertaker beat him, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I was I was such a fan of super fly Jimmy Snuka that when all the shit came out. I was more upset about that than I was Bill Cosby. I was like, <laughs> Damn you, Superfly. Damn you. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I think that uh, that wraps up that segment, unless you have anything else. Nope. So uh, we'll take a break here. We have, our, we have covered our finishers, and up next we will talk about... Um, and I kind of did this list quick. Um, we, we, we brought it up late in the, uh, the conversation about what we're going to have on the show. So I thought about it quickly. A few of them are very obvious. And then a couple others I had to, uh, to think about a little harder. Well, a couple of them are very obvious for me personally. Anyway, anybody that listens to the show or has heard me talk or anything. These aren't even like, you know, top, like. These are the guys that I think are mine. These are just five guys that I think are overrated. Me too. Me too. Um, So, yeah, when we come back, we'll talk some underrated wrestling superstars. And we will be right back here on the... Underrated, sorry. Overrated. Overrated. Yes, I said underrated. My bad. Underrated or (laughs) overrated wrestling superstars. When we return here on the We Can't Wrestle podcast, we'll be right back after this. wrestling fans welcome back to the we can't wrestle podcast and just want to remind you out there if you're listening like i said at the beginning of the show 
The We Can't Wrestle podcast now available on Spotify. So we are available on any podcast app that you are uh, prefer to use, I should say, or any um, streaming service now. Spotify, um, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you want to find your favorite podcast, you can find the We Can't Wrestle podcast. And also, I would be remiss if I did not tell you, and probably in the doghouse, uh, if I did not tell you to check out the podcast that I have with my beautiful wife, Kendall, the Motley Soup Podcast. It's not a wrestling podcast, but it is a podcast about life and general uh, topics. We talk about many different things. Um, and actually, Randy Savage came up on the latest episode of the show, talking about Slim Jims. Um, and then one more thing before we continue, I want to remind you, I posted a link today to the GoFundMe account for Jerry Gray, who was a great professional wrestler back in the 1980s and a big part of Jim Crockett promotions and, and Mid-South Wrestling. And Jerry is battling stage four cancer and anything you can give to Jerry's GoFundMe account is greatly appreciated as it helps him with uh, medical bills, life necessities, food, groceries, anything. Uh, so if you could give to that, just click the link on our uh, Facebook page and Facebook group for the uh, GoFundMe for Jerry Gray. And Aaron will attest to that. Jerry's a, uh, a great guy, a great storyteller, and we just want to help him out. Yep. Yarp. So now we're going to talk about uh, overrated wrestlers. Jerry Gray, not one of those. <sighs> but we both have some. And, and uh, I let you start the last one, so I'll start this one. Okay. And like I said, we, we came up with this last minute. So we're supposed to have five. I have six. Because I'm cheating. But uh, I'll call it a tie for number five. The first one is great great on the mic, but not blowing me away in the ring. Um, a former world champion, and that's the superstar Billy Graham. I hate the superstar <laughs> Billy Graham. Now, I'm not talking personally. He's a piece of shit as a person. I'm talking just... I'm I'm even talking just in general. Like, the guy has... Alright, so he had charisma. But let's be honest, those promos he cut were like the same promo over and over again. Yeah, so I hate him. And his in-ring ability was pretty ass, really. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get like an no, argument out of no him. argument <laughs> i hate him so the 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 second guy that i have tied for number five is goldberg oh i have to take goldberg off my list hmm. <laughs> I, I you know it's crazy because i think goldberg 20 whatever teen is better than goldberg when we were younger and in the monday night wars when he was a big deal yeah um, you look He's back on it now, and you look at the Monday Night Wars now, and you watch those old nitros. Uh, I mean, I don't know, a phenomenon, yes, but totally overrated. Like I, I've never seen a, a great Goldberg, like a great Goldberg match. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was boring. 
One dimensional. Mm-hmm. When even when and I'll say this, even when they did try to put him in a story, you know, as 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 maligned as the finger poke of doom nitro is, they tried to put Goldberg in a story in that one, the whole deal with Elizabeth. And yeah, the story was kind of convoluted and everything, but it's fucking professional wrestling. Stories are convoluted. It is what it is. Even in that kind of a kind of an environment, as a as a performer, he wasn't convincing. Sucked. All right, so I'm glad we agree on Goldberg and Billy Graham, actually. Um, so I'll let you go with your next, your first one, I should say. All right. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Taz. Yeah. CW Taz. ECW Taz. Yeah, like what? Because. <laughs> I won't even bring up like WWF Taz because he wasn't a he wasn't portrayed as like a main eventer. Right. And he was a great he was a great collar commentator. Oh, he was great as a commentator. I'm talking as a wrestler. Like when I watch ECW now and Taz is on, I'm like, eh. I, yeah. So I'm not. I'm not big on him. So I'm not, I'm I'm just taking what you said here and building on it. I'm not um This isn't on my list. But you said it. You said Taz ECW. So could I put on most overrated um, ECW? <laughs> if you want. There's things I, that I like about ECW. I, I I think I think see ECW with me is it, it just doesn't age well. Like I watch it now and like back then, I don't I don't know even how to put it because it was revolutionary. You know I'm not trying to demean that, but and it's even like when I look back on it now, it's not even like it's not revolutionary, but it it doesn't stand up to time. I don't know. That's the only way I can put it. Like, I watch it now, and I'm like, eh. I fast-forward through a lot of it, you know? Yeah, it's fine. But... But, yeah, Taz, I, I, can, I can see that. Like, they... I don't know. I, I think Taz benefited from the fact that I think the promoter liked him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I just... A lot of what Taz did was the same thing you just said about, like, Superstar Billy Graham... And I know they're completely different people. I mean, one's like a big jacked up white guy, and the other one's like a orange midget. So they're <laughs> like the same person. But a lot of what Taz did was repetitive. Mm-hmm. He didn't have like like people act like he had like these great matches or whatever, and he really didn't. He had some good matches, depending on who he was working with. And honestly, honestly, like there's a lot of people that talk about like the Taz Sabu feud. Mm -hmm. And that was cool and everything because it went so long. But like the coolest Taz feud was this feud with Shane Douglas and Triple Threat. That was good stuff. But. One feud a career do not make, you know? It may sound odd when I say it, and you can ask, you can tell me if you think I'm right. 
but you made a good point, and you, you know, Taz had some good matches with some good talent, and it depended on who he was in the ring with and who he was working with. So, in a way, you could almost compare Taz to Lex Luger. Does that make sense? Yeah, as long as he had the right opponent, he was good. Right, yeah, like as if long as... Was, if he was the guy that was supposed to carry it, eh. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. be that good. I just, I think Taz is over, ECW Taz is overrated. The next guy on my list, I compare his wrestling career to the, I call him the JFK of wrestling. It sounds morbid, but I think it holds water. And that's Magnum TA. John F. Kennedy wasn't a fantastic president. He had some stupid shit go down. Um, he probably wasn't going to get reelected, but he got assassinated, and he became a cult of personality. And Magnum T.A. I kind of liken his wrestling career to the presidential career of John F. Kennedy, in that I think he is held in higher regard. Because his career got cut short by a horrific accident, which shouldn't have... I'm not demeaning his livelihood or anything like that. Like, But I'm just saying I think that he is held in higher regard because of that. I don't think Magnum TA was really that good. Like, he was okay. I like Magnum TA. I, I, I find him to be overrated. I don't watch Magnum TA and get sucked into my television. Like people would have you believe that you would be. Yeah. When you said, like, JFK, I thought you were going to, like, say, like, Chris Benoit because he took a lot of shots to the head. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was good. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think TA's over. And again, I'm not. I'm not saying he wasn't over, and I'm not saying he wasn't good, but I think he was overrated because because of how the unfortunate incident that occurred that ended his career. And yeah, I have like, mad respect for the man. You know, I'm not like I said. I don't want anybody to get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not demeaning his accident. I'm not saying he wasn't a decent wrestler. The reason I won't agree with it is because I don't think he had enough time to be considered overrated. Okay. And I can see that. I understand. And, and, but just to me, like he's held I, in I this. Think, I think if the guy would have had not had that happen to him, mm -hmm. people would even talk even more finally about him. Because the way they were booking him wasn't, it wasn't always going to be like 30 second belly to belly suplex matches. Right. You know well, I mean? and I'm eventually, not even eventually that guy was going to be having hour long matches with like Ric Flair and doing his thing and being a champ and and and, and that and that could be that could be from a that could be from a perspective of 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 what we foresee in or what we see in the ring. Like I know that you are a bigger fan of, of TA and Blanchard than I am, you know, like I just there, I know their feud captured people's imagination, but to me, 
It didn't, I mean, it didn't capture enough people's imagination to beat the WWF at the time. So I, and, and it's not that, again, it's not that it wasn't good. It's not. But it, to me, it's overrated. To you, it's probably not. I know you love TA, you love Blanchard. That's your deal. But just for me, from a personal perspective, I, I don't I don't see it in TA. I think that he would have probably had more of a... Okay. He probably would have more have had more of a Lex Luger career than a Bret Hart career. He would have been a big deal for a little bit in both promotions and then fizzled. Possibly. <sighs> Well, that's just me. <laughs> okay. Next. Uh, I think we're going to be unanimous on this, hopefully. <laughs> the next guy on my list is Diamond Dallas Page. I agree with you. I don't have him on my list, but I absolutely agree with you. Diamond Dallas Page is... He is a guy that benefited from the Monday Night Wars. For sure. Yeah. He's junk. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Like I said, he's not on my list, but I absolutely agree with you on DDP. Like, like every time I bring up DDP, people are like, Well, he had a great feud with Randy Savage. Well, no, Randy Savage like, had a great feud with exactly <laughs> <laughs> fucking moron. Yeah. <laughs> Marsh had a goddamn good feud with Randy Savage. <laughs> Repo Man had a good Repo feud Man with Randy Savage for two weeks. <laughs> Go sit the fuck down. DDP is trash. Absolutely. He's he's overrated as fuck. <laughs> like the only thing the oh. only thing that guy ever did that I enjoyed was when he didn't even know he was on microphone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. He's, he's getting ready to bring... It's like going to be like him and the Freebirds <clears throat> and Big Daddy Dink. Mm-hmm. And they're going to come out on like this WCW show. And it's... He doesn't know his mic is hot. And like they're in inter- Like... Like... Um... Gor- Gary and Michael Capetta is introducing them and like Paige Falkenberg is just being Paige Falkenberg and he doesn't know that his mic's hot and he's like are we live? Are we live? And then he like looks at like the broads that they're with and he's like shut up! Just shut up! Like he's just browbeating these people (laughs) and he doesn't even know his fucking mic's on. (laughs) But that's like totally like You've never heard that? No, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, he tells us. If I have, I don't just, remember it. He's just telling us to just shut up, just shut up. <laughs> Is it on like a clash or something? It's something like that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> but as a performer and as, as a wrestler, like people are like, oh, D Page, which is what Van Hammer called him. <laughs> it's like, well, he could have. He was a. He was cool in the rig. It's like, no, that guy sucked. His promo sucked. I hate his stupid face. (laughs) (laughs) 
Page. The only the only thing he ever did good was Kimberly Page. <laughs> and I do like the feud with Savage, but like you said, it's it's Savage. Yeah. The only thing he ever brought good to the business was Kimberly Page. Which she still looks amazing. I haven't seen her in a while, but <clears throat> Okay, so next on my list is uh we're going into the present day for this one. I had to put him on the list, and that's Kenny Omega. I I don't see talk, it. I can't talk a lot about Kenny Omega because I haven't watched a lot of Kenny Omega stuff. <clears throat> I find Kenny Omega to be annoying and pretentious. I don't like his voice. I don't like his character. I, I think that he does things in the ring that at times are, are fine, but they're also like, okay, we all understand that wrestling is choreographed. We all get it. Unless we're from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, we all get it. And if there's any listeners in Tus- that nobody in Tuscaloosa, Alabama is listening to this, they don't have a podcast app. But anyway, the Kenny Omega is, I mean, he's hot garbage, really. He does some, he does some good moves. All right. He does some fantastic things from time to time. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but Kenny Omega is like the entire promotion of TNA, wherein he would not fucking exist if Dave Meltzer didn't put him over all the time. And the only reason Dave Meltzer quit putting TNA over was because Mike Tanay left. Because they're friends. But Kenny Omega is, I believe, highly overrated. And um I don't know, I just I, I I don't see the I don't see it in the guy. Like I've seen people compare him to Brian Pillman and I wanna hawk a big fucking loogie in their face. Like this guy is 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 not even four times, uh, 44 times the talent that that Brian Pillman was. And, I don't know. I, and like I said, I, I know you said you can't speak to it very much because you don't watch a lot of, you haven't seen a lot of Kenny Omega. But I just, I have from the beginning to now, I do not understand people's fascination with him. Just because you can wrestle an hour with Okada doesn't make you great to me. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. I mean, I don't know a lot about him. So, all right. So uh, we'll move. His hair looks like ramen noodles. <laughs> all right. Cool. I'm good with that comment. <laughs> and not even like good ramen noodles. <clears throat> like the the ones. like hard ramen noodles. Like they haven't been boiled like, long no, enough. Like I'm saying like not even like good ones. Like the pork flavored ones. <laughs> it's like the the lemons, like the lime shrimp. <laughs> Who's eating lime shrimp ramen noodles? <laughs> Fucking piece of shit. But yeah, so that's my that's my diatribe on Kenny Omega, and uh, okay. this next one's gonna piss you off. It is. Maybe. So it's gonna piss me off, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm interested then. I'm I'm intrigued. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. You ready for it? Okay. CM Punk. 
I wouldn't say I'm pissed, <laughs> but I definitely don't understand. I mean, all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go on my diatribe, and then no, I'll let you explain yours first. Go ahead. Okay, the guy was okay on the mic. All right, and the reason that I think he stood out on the microphone wasn't because he was super great on it. It was just because he was saying shit that nobody else was saying. But, that could, makes sense. but couldn't you say the same thing for Steve Austin? Eh. I'm, I'm just playing devil's you advocate. You could. But... <clears throat> I don't, and I don't, I've seen, like, good CM Punk matches. Oh, yeah, and I know, I know. You're not running him down. You just, it's kind no, of the same no. thing as what I was saying about T.A. Yeah, like, like I've seen CM Punk have good matches. But he has, like, a great match with Rey Mysterio where it's, like, Rey's mask versus his hair. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic match. And... I just, I think the only reason that CM Punk is, like, revered as what, he, as what he is, is because he came, he was like, he came in in an era where shit was changing, you know? Mm hmm And... You... It, he didn't fit into the mold of it. You're and, ju you're describing he, Steve Austin. No, I'm not. <laughs> you are. No, I'm not. Shit you know was why? changing. He didn't listen, fit into the listen, mold of it. Shut up for a second. <laughs> listen, Linda. <laughs> the reason he's not Stone Cold Steve Austin, okay, mm -hmm. is because he was coming in when a time when shit was like stagnant and becoming stagnant and it didn't change but that wasn't his fault that was the and, booking's fault the and, and, but the, but no if he would have been as good as he thought he was in his head that fucking business would have changed that's not Steve true Austin, that's Austin not true the business and cm punk could have too the difference is the difference is, and then I'll let you continue, but the difference to me between Punk and Austin, because I think they are, they are, they are parallels of each other, and the difference is that Vince McMahon was in different stage of his stages of his life and different stages of his company. With when Steve Austin came around, it was. Well, fuck. This character's taking off. People really like it. This guy's really good. And I have... I either have to roll with this or go out of business. Because I promise you, if Steve Austin would have come along in 1988 in the same pers in the same aspect, he would have been swept under the rug just like David Schultz was. CM Punk came along in a time where there was no competition... Nobody was breathing down Vince's neck. Okay, ratings are going down. Who gives a fuck? We're the only wrestling company that makes a difference in this company, and I've already made a, in this country, and I've already made a billion dollars. 
I want John Cena. I want Batista. It, it was, I'm telling you, a. it is a parallel until you get to the state of the actual business at the time. And that's where the difference happens. And I, and I understand what you're saying. And I'm not, I'm not shitting on your opinion. I know how you feel about Punk. I feel differently. I think that he had every single thing that Steve Austin had. He had, he, he, bell to bell, one of the best wrestlers in the world, Steve Austin. On the mic, one of the best promo cutters in the world, Steve Austin, CM Punk. It's it, there are parallels between those two guys that if you put them in, if you put CM Punk in the same position, and you put Vince McMahon in the same position that you had Vince McMahon and Steve Austin in ninety six, ninety seven, the same thing would have happened. My opinion. Okay. And I mean, but I know, and it's it's like I said, it's kind of the same thing as I feel about TA. I know, like. You are about CM like I am about TA. <laughs> but I just, I, I think that, that CM Punk suffered from the fact that WWE had no viable competition at that time. So Vince, Vince looked at, he looked at Steve Austin as a saving grace. And he looked at CM Punk as a six-month storyline, if that makes sense. There, there, there was a different mentality behind it. But I know again, I know you're not you're not as near as big a fan of his as I am. And for the record, we go back to Billy Graham from a professional perspective, I, I, I it's funny because on TV I look at CM Punk on par with Austin, but behind the scenes I look at CM Punk on par with Billy Graham and Mick Foley. Does that make sense? Yeah, they think they're better than what they are. Yeah. They hold themselves in higher regard, and I don't know. I mean, I guess they're both happy. They're both happy, and they're both fucking rich, so. <laughs> I mean, he gets to go home with A.J. Lee. Isn't that who he married? Mm-hmm. Lucky him. <laughs> Good for him. Wait a like, as Philip Brooks, he's an overachiever. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. And no matter what, uh, whether he's Philip Brooks or CM Punk, he still has an alien head. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I'm not even saying that I'm not a CM Punk fan. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, it's like, settle down. He's not that great. So the next on my list... <clears throat> Is the Road Warriors. They are regarded as one of the best tag teams of all time. And I wholeheartedly disagree. I do think they're one of the biggest attractions of all time. But they are not, by any means, one of the best tag teams of all time. When I live in a world that has the Hart Foundation, the Rockers, Demolition... Um, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express. Um, I, I mean, I could go on. The Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors, is it's a good act, but they're fucking overrated. They weren't that really that good. 
I'm not saying they're good, but you know what I'm going to say they are? Hmm. They're the most believable tag team of all time. I think the Steiner brothers are. I think if it was a real fight and everybody was healthy and it was just a fight, I, I think talking animal would just beat the shit out of Steiner brothers. See, I don't think so. I look at I look at animal. Like if everybody's drunk. Or, like, mm-hmm. I I don't I don't see I don't see that because I I look at Hawk almost like I look at Batista. Like all right, you're physically impressive. But I think that if the fight got too hard with Rick Steiner, you'd probably pull one of your pretty little pecs. Maybe. I I don't know. I just I, I I and I see what you're saying, but I have always I I've always thought that the Steiners and probably probably Doctor Death and and Gordy, even though they're not one of my favorite tag teams, are the two most like believable tag teams. But I, I just I think the Royal I, I'm not hating again. I, I hate this list. I hate that we have to go through this list because there's so many talents on it. I'm like it's not that I don't dislike them. You know what I mean? But I just, I, I think the Road Warriors are overrated. And again, as far as an act goes, when you want to put them up there with, with Hulk Hogan or, or Andre the Giant or, you know, any of that ilk, yeah, fucking put them up there. That's absolutely. But as a tag team, as a wrestling tag team, overrated in my opinion. Okay. This was a hard list. Because I'm like, uh, I'm a fan of this person. I'm a fan. <laughs> but I think they're overrated. <clears throat> so we'll go, we'll go on to your next. Unless you have anything else on that. I just know I would be like all those NWA studio jobbers. Well, yeah, well obviously. I am Iron Man. I am I, shedding I, my I, pants. I, I, <laughs> Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, Animal seemed like a nice guy in the pack, but Animal's all high on crank. <laughs> suck. <laughs> like, nothing's cooler than Hawk, like, flexing his neck and busting off. Popping that, that leash off. off. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking great shit, man. <clears throat> Damn, they're, they're scary. <laughs> But I got one guy left on my list. Me too. And um, it's Kerry Von Erich. I almost put the entire Von Erich family on my list. I um, like Kevin Von Erich. Yeah, I almost put the entire Von Erich family on my list. <laughs> um, and I say, I, I, I'm not gonna. I am not going to disagree with you on Carrie Von Eric at all. Um I agree. I, I, I think that he was a decent worker. Um who benefited from the fact that his dad was the promoter. And uh, all you have to do is look at his WWF run and realize and you watch. Watch it. Because Which he really couldn't run when he was in the WWF. <laughs> he could hobble. But when he... His WWF hop. He comes in and it's initially a big pop. Because it's new. 
But if you watch his Intercontinental title run, you can see why they put the title back on Henning so quickly. Because it really fizzles out. And, uh, God dang! I mean, he wasn't a great promo. And and I don't even want to say his WWF run, because his WWF run, okay, it, it, it's, his, it's his own doing, because you're a grown person. And right. You make your own decisions, you know? Yeah. And, and he was chemically imbalanced is the would be the best way to say it and he only had one foot and all that you know but if you like even when you look at him before he even got to the WWF I just I don't I don't see it mm-hmm. and I think the only reason he got and it's it's a shitty thing to say but the only reason he was regarded the way he was was because his brother died. Yes, and also the entire to me personally, um, that entire family benefited from the fact that they were a big name in Dallas, Texas. You know what I mean, like. Yeah. All we have to choose from is world-class championship wrestling and some outlaw promotion. Well, we're going to go with world-class championship wrestling. and Because, I mean, I, I personally think the whole fucking Von Erich family is overrated. From the yeah. dad to the kids. And, and their personal thing aside, it's tragic and it's terrible. Um, and I feel bad for Kevin, or I feel good for him because he seems like he's found peace. Uh, from a personal standpoint, he's got his sweet banana lattes. And... <laughs> I mean, yeah. From a personal from a personal standpoint, you know that is what it is. But I never even liked him that much. Like I don't know. I I was I was I guess uh, going back on it, looking back at the territories. I've always been a Memphis guy over a over a Dallas guy. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying, out of the Von Erichs, like none of them. None of them cut a good promo. No. From what I understand, when when uh, uh, David was in Florida, he was a pretty good heel. I haven't seen enough of it to be a judge. I haven't seen enough of that to say yes or no. Yeah, me neither. But I've seen enough of Dallas to say that, you know, Kevin wasn't the best promo guy in the world, but... Kevin was pretty good in the ring. Yeah. But Kerry sucked in promos. He had a stupid horse face. <laughs> and and I, I'm not a Kerry Von Erich fan. Like, I would have preferred, to, like, looking, like, if I would have been a 26 year old person. You know, when Kerry Von Erich debuted in the WWF, I would have been like, man, I wish that would have been Kevin Von Erich. Mm-hmm. Since I just, I don't, I don't see the like passion people have for Kerry Von Erich. Gosh. 
Yeah, I yeah. I mean, like I said, you're not going to find any disagreement with me. I, and it's funny because <clears throat> when I was a young dude and watching WWF at the time, and then what's that? I didn't even like Kerry Von Erich then. See, when I was a young dude and I was watching WWF at the time, and he first came in and he had his thing with Perfect. I did. I dug on him. And to be honest, at that time, I hadn't seen hardly any Dallas wrestling. So I didn't even know. You know what I mean? Like, to him, to me, he was new. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even like him then. And I, I dug him then, but that was, you know, the same, kind of the same vein of digging the warrior when you're a kid. You know what I mean? Um, but hindsight and, and watching... Watching back through the annals of professional wrestling, I totally agree with you on Kerry Von Erich. And the ironic part is that uh, Kerry Von Erich played the Ultimate Warrior in 1992. According to our friends' dads and shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you also know this? Hey, did you know there were three Undertakers? Three Undertakers? And there were three different Undertakers. Woo! Hey. If you no, don't believe no, me, no. Just, just look at look at his tattoos. No, shh. Hold on. Because nobody ever gets different tattoos. Don't go any farther on this, because I think that's something we should talk about on a, on a podcast. We're on a podcast. But on a future We Can't <laughs> Wrestle podcast. We should talk about, like, crazy rumors from the past or whatever, like... Like, like the fact that there was a second Ultimate Warrior and all that bullshit. I'm writing that down now, listeners. Wrestling folklore. And then write down... It's a non-wrestling one. Mm -hmm. And it's folklore. Write down, like, craziest celebrity controversies. Craziest celebrity controversies. Or... Slash scandals. Got it. So there's our next show. Wrestling folklore and craziest celebrity controversies. Welcome to the production meeting, ladies and gentlemen. So now um, I'm going to do my number one. Aaron, I bet you know who I'm going to say. I have no idea. He wrestles like a brick. He's got a head like a block. His promos suck fucking ass. He's my least favorite main event pro wrestler of all time. Crappy Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> Fuck Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> I don't care if he's still alive. Fuck you, Ronnie Garvin. He could, probably, he could probably kick my ass, but fuck you anyway. He's still alive. I hate Ronnie Garvin. I'm a trucker. <laughs> I'm an NWA champion. <laughs> fuck Ronnie Garvin. I hate that fucking fuck. <laughs> With his stupid stomp. And his crappy ass. I hate Ronnie Garvin. I hate Ronnie Garvin. Even Randy Savage couldn't make me interested in Ronnie Garvin. He'd punch a guy and then teabag him though. <laughs> Whatever. Fuck Ronnie Garvin. He's the most overrated wrestler of all time. Anybody that puts Ronnie Garvin over doesn't understand anything ever. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him. He's, He's just punch him in the face there's nothing there's <laughs> nothing appealing about Ronnie Garvin ever. 
Like, I have never watched anything Ronnie Garvin was ever involved in and been interested in it. I hate him. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help it, listeners. I hate Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything else to say to that. I just, I mean, I know, I mean, I, I can name ten episodes of this show where I've gone off on this diatribe, so I don't know that I need to repeat it. But his stupid haircut and his stupid promos and his stupid voice and any promotion he was ever in never appealed to me. I find Ronnie Garvin to be boring and I don't get it. I don't understand why he was the NWA champion. I don't understand why he ever got a push anywhere. Um, Miss Atlanta Lively, she's my favorite woman's wrestler ever. Fuck Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> I heard he's a nice man. I'm sure he is. Fuck Ronnie Garvin, the wrestling personality. Ron, is that his real name? Is Ronnie Garvin his real name? Because my Wikipedia actually won't let me look him up because I hate him so much. Why wouldn't his real name be Ronnie Garvin? I don't know. I mean, Hulk Hogan's name isn't Hulk. It's wrestling. Ric Flair's name isn't Ric Flair. It's Richard Fleer. Are you looking it up for me? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, help me out here, goddammit. <laughs> I thought you had, like, you know, his name is Roger Burns. All right. So Roger Burns, Roger Burns, Mr. Burns, I'm sure, is a perfectly nice guy and a great, a great character on The Simpsons. But Ronnie Garvin is the most Roger over... Burns? is the most overrated wrestler of all time. And I'm going through his wiki wiki right now. Mm. And, uh, it says Roger Barnes and his stepson is Jimmy Garvin. Who's actually not too bad. A little scuzzy, but not too bad. <laughs> it also says here that um, in 1994, he was voted the most underrated wrestler of all time. Is that serious? <laughs> or are you just fucking with me? Because <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to vomit on my microphone. <laughs> oh, he was the fictitious brother of Terry Garvin. You know what he did. <laughs> Now you are fucking with me. No, I'm saying like that's how Ronnie Garvin got his name was that he wrestled as the fictitious brother of Terry Garvin. Hmm. Well, you know what Terry Garvin did, right? Well, he was Garvin is. Well, Terry Garvin's the uh, sexual molester, right? Yeah. However, the worst thing he ever did was introducing us to Ronnie Garvin. They were fake brothers. Hmm. The worst thing he ever did was rape children. Not Ronnie Garvin, Terry Garvin. Wait, he raped children? Terry Garvin. Oh, I thought he just raped, like, adult guys. Well, ring boys. Were they adult age? They were, like, 16. Oh, then no, yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. But if they were of age, I would still say Ronnie Garvin's the worst. (laughs) (laughs) But since they're not... 
These are like ring boys. Oh, no, yeah. Then Terry Garvin's the worst. Like, but, Pat Patterson supposedly... Yeah, supposedly. Like, friends with Terry Garvin, but Pat Patterson was just, like, rubbing, like, like 24-year-old Brickhouse Brown's booty in the elevator. Yeah. You know? Well, he's a man. You know what I mean? Like, Pat Terry was Garvin just... Was like, thrusting himself upon, like, 15-year-old boys. Yeah, so Terry Garvin's the biggest fuck star in pro wrestling. He's a fucking <laughs> asshole. But Ronnie Garvin's definitely still the most overrated. And I think you still have one left, don't you? No. Oh, was Kerry your number one? Yes. Oh, well, I win. Okay. Kerry Von Erich was definitely better than Ronnie Garvin. At least, at least, at least, Carrie Von Eric had some panache to him, some flair. Ronnie Garvin was a boring ass fucking 